on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Scout. This is episode 17. Uh, we're back uh, to a little bit more of a normal format after our mock draft 1.0 last week, but we will be giving you guys some power rankings after our news segment. Uh, we're going to do the top eight teams in the league ranked by us, and we'll uh, debate and analyze each other's lists as we always do, throw back to the summer a little bit uh, with this format of an episode. Um, but first off, there was quite a bit of news, relevant news, in the NFL this week. So I'm going to go to Connor to take you guys through that. Yeah, um, a lot of big news this week, you know. But coming up on going into week six now, it's kind of where the season starts to take off. Unfortunately, it was for bad reasons this week. Starting off with my most valuable player pick for this season, Dak Prescott, having a horrendous season-ending injury, which I'm sure everybody in the world was watching or has seen by now. Dak was leading the league in passing yards. He actually had the most passing yards in the first four games in NFL history up to this point. And, you know, obviously, not only is it terrible for a young player of Dak Prescott's caliber to suffer a season-ending injury despite the Cowboys' record this year, but with the only talking point of – Dak's life for the last year was his contract situation that everybody else in the Cowboys got paid besides Dak Prescott and he was on pace to have the best season of his career lead the league in passing and it's just it's just terrible I don't like how people are saying oh well you know that's what he gets he should have taken that 30 million dollars you never wish injury on anybody any player in the NFL um I'm really curious to see what happens with Dak. I'm sure we all are, as, again, this is a franchise tag year, so he's a free agent after this season. If, I mean, personally, I think if the Cowboys try and double tag him, similar to what happened with Washington and Kirk Cousins, I don't think he'll play next year. Um, it's coming off the injury, and you can't just sit and just be like, Jerry, it's, it's at that point you got to pay him or let him go, get something back for him. You can't. Just franchise tagging this guy again. And that's just my opinion. Maybe he's fine yeah. with it. But after this injury, I really doubt it. I mean, I think, I think yeah. somebody, somebody's going to pay Dak. I mean, I mean, let me just jump in there for a second. You say, like, obviously, I think there's a difference between wishing injury upon Dak and thinking he should have taken what, – what was he offered, 35? I think it was, was 35. 30, it was 35 a year. Okay. No one's wishing injury on Dak, including myself. Obviously, that's not the case here. Everybody likes Dak. Um but, I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to say, oh, this shows the Cowboys should have given him 40. I, I mean, he could Somebody have taken will. 35 a year for that time. So I, I, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. Um, well, the other, the other thing with that contract situation that we got lost in the, in the money numbers was that Dak wanted it to be a four-year deal to try and hit that market earlier. Take another yeah. bite of the apple, yep, in free agency. Yeah, um, but I – just, I mean, obviously the timetable to return is crucial for this ankle injury, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to make a full recovery. It's just a timing thing at this point. But if they don't tag him, Dak's going to get 40 a year on the open market, and I'm wouldn't be, I'm not even going to blink. Yeah. After, no, after what happened to Kirk Cousins on the open market when he got an 84 million dollar fully guaranteed contract, somebody will pay Dak 40 a year yeah. unless they tag him yeah. again. No doubt about that. Um, someone that will not be getting that type of money on the open market is Le'Veon Bell after the Jets released him. Uh, he'll take a $15 million dead cap hit to the Jets this year. Um, you know, 
I guess it was mutual. Kind of makes sense. He wasn't doing anything for them. They weren't really using him properly uh, with Adam Gase. Uh, personally, I'd like to see him with the Cardinals. There aren't actually too many teams when you look at it that could really use uh, a running back like Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's still a great player, but I'd like to see what Cliff Kingsbury uh, could do with him and how creative he could be in the passing game. Yeah, um, the main thing to watch out for here is no matter what, he's still getting six mil from the Jets this season. Um, so I don't think he's going to chase a bag. I think, you know, being the middle of the year, he's going to get a one-year deal to play out. Um, I want to see him back in Pittsburgh. That's just the just the semi-Steeler fan in me, um, especially, you know, with – He's going to go to a contending team. There's no reason for a losing team to sign Le'Veon Bell to a one-year deal just to do nothing, and I don't think he'll sign a deal like that. Um, I know people are – Pats are obviously always talked about every time any anybody's available in the NFL. That's just kind of how it happens is the Patriot effect. Um, a lot of people I, – I do like the Cardinals the way Kenyon Drake's been playing, but I, I think they like Chase Edmonds enough. But, you know, you, there's no reason to not go out and get a player Le'Veon Bell's caliber for literally nobody. But yeah. I, I do expect it to be a contending team. And I do think, you know, Pittsburgh, it's not like he has to learn anything. Uh, James Conner's health is a question mark every day of the week. And although they have depth at the running back position, it's just kind of a numbers thing. Like, the depth isn't really – great it's just they have like four running backs who i guess could get the ball but i mean we'll see i i don't expect him to make that much of an impact the odds on favorite right now which i think is really interesting is the chiefs but i really just don't see that happening i I don't see that happening either um i mean clyde's so good i mean anyone that signs Le'Veon, it'll be part of his committee in all likelihood so yes, he will ruin your fantasy season ready. wherever he goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Clyde's been great. Um, anyways, moving on, Dan Quinn was finally let go by the Atlanta Falcons. Everyone saw this one coming, 0-5 start uh, with way too much talent to go 0-5, and, and just some of those losses were brutal. Thomas Dimitrov, the general manager, uh, was canned with him. Um, basically, they just never recovered from the Super Bowl, and it's a shame, and this is just – they're, they're going to be taking a quarterback in April, I think, is what it comes down to. Yeah, they're, they're sitting here 0-5 with the number two pick in the draft. Uh, I, I don't remember what your pick was. I had him taking Justin Fields at number two. Um, and I, I think the way things are looking right now, I don't know if anybody will trade for Matt Ryan considering next year he's a $40 million cap hit at age 36, I believe, and he's looked absolutely horrendous this year, despite – you know, Julio not being on the field. He's, he's still got good caliber players out there with Hayden Hurst and Calvin Ridley, and he's just looked awful. But I, I do think with – they have an out at the end of next season after that $40 million cap hit with Ryan. So, if you, you can take Justin Fields at two, put up with Matt Ryan for another year. If anybody will take that contract off your hands, you you take the offer. You don't even think about it. Um, but I, I do expect to see him take a quarterback, offensive-minded head coach, and a young GM. Yep. Absolutely. Um, All right, now getting into our power rankings. We're going to rank our top eight teams in the league. Uh, So that's about, you know, there's eight division winners every year. Not saying these teams are all going to win their division, but it seems like a good number. Uh, All these guys are pretty solid contenders to, you know, win a playoff game or two. Um, And we're going to go eight to one. So I'll let Connor start off with his 
number eight team? Yeah, and after after we do our lists, I'll, I'll give a brief reasoning as to why I left the teams off that I did. Uh, but coming in at number eight here, I have the Cleveland Browns. This is a team that I projected to go 9-7 and seven and sneak into the playoffs as the seventh seed, which is that extra wild card spot this season. You know, Baker still doesn't look good, but uh, Kevin Stavansky might be in the running for coach of the year right now because the Cleveland Browns are 4-1, which never happens ever. Um, you know, the thing with Stefanski was we're like, oh, my God, the run game is going to be absurd this season, and that's exactly what it's been. I mean, your offensive player of the year, Nick Chubb, obviously got off to a bad game against Baltimore, which everybody in the league has every time they play Baltimore. But, you know, having that injury, obviously Kareem Hunt is still obviously a top 15 caliber running back in the league, but they – they're just running all over everybody. You saw that with the Cowboys, which, you know, the Cowboys defense isn't the best example, but oh, this but run game is just them. I mean, you mauled right an now. NFL team in the trenches. Yeah. You, you mauled them. So. Um, and exactly. White, and I playing very well on that line. Yeah, definitely. I, I do wish, obviously a lot of Browns fans think this too. I do wish we could have seen what Grant Delpit was this year on this defense because it's, it's kind of Miles Garrett against the world, which, you know, seems to be working with Miles Garrett's talent, but I have the Browns coming in here at eight. Yep. Um, a lot of credit to the Browns. Uh, I do not have them at eight. I actually do not have them in my top eight. Uh, just want to see a little more, probably just that Browns bias. I can't, you know, quite believe it yet. A uh, big test for them coming up this week at Pittsburgh, but uh-huh. I have my New England Patriots at eight. And, you know, there's definitely some bias here as well, I'll admit, but you know, as long as they have Bill. I mean, I think the loss to Kansas City was, you know, I personally was very encouraged. Um, there's not a whole lot of, you know, moral victories um, in or good losses in the NFL. Um, I thought that loss to the Chiefs was one of them. Held the Chiefs offense to 19 points, um, you know, under 20, not something a lot of teams can do. Only about 320 yards. Not a ton of big names outside of the secondary on that defense, but rock solid, obviously, with Bill's uh, mastermind scheming up um, different coverages each week. And also just the running game has been dominant. It's second in the league. And with a talent like Cam Newton, he's inconsistent, but you saw it flash uh, in week two at Seattle. You know, when he's on, he'll give him a chance in every game. So, you know, I think their ceiling is pretty low, but – they're built in a way um, that, you know, some of these top seeds in the AFC, a Kansas City, a Baltimore, you know, probably don't want to see them early in the playoffs because, you know, with their coaching pedigree and just the way they control the clock and play good defense, they could be a tough matchup in January. Yeah, my, my number seven team here is the Buffalo Bills. You know, we Tuesday night football was sick, first off. Uh, last time we had Tuesday Night Football was Michael Vick versus Joe Webb. So, I mean, I think we should have Tuesday Night Football more often. I, I do think Thursday Night Football kind of sucks, honestly. They do they do put the shitty games on Thursdays, which is kind of why it sucks. Right. But I'd, I'd much rather have a Tuesday game or just a doubleheader on Monday night every week, which we've seen this season multiple totally times already, and I think it's totally been great. Fun. Yeah. Um, but I have the Bills here at seven, you know, they kind of just got trounced. Just I don't even know what else to say. Um, by the Tennessee Titans last night, you know, Josh Allen did just struggle for the first time this season. You know, he's kind of just been 
being Josh this year, but I do yeah. think what isn't talked about enough, you know, with, with Stefan Diggs shining so much this season in this offense, I do think the lack of John Brown last night was very noticeable because, um, you know, he has a rapport with Josh. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is building that this year, but he's very comfortable with John Brown, especially after the, the year John, John Brown had a career year last year in this offense. And what wasn't talked about at all is that, you know, the best player on the Bills didn't play last night in Tredavious White. And we saw Ryan Tannehill kind of just dinking and dunking, doing whatever he wanted. Uh, you know, that last touchdown that was thrown to John Hill, I thought he was three yards past the line of scrimmage. Well, so I but think the blue happened, line was like line off. Was I, don't really know. I was shocked. At, I thought that was going to be the worst call on the field in the history of the NFL. Um, I was watching with yeah. a roommate, and we were both like, well, he, that's, that's egregious. Like, he was three yards past. But I think review, seeing the down marker, seemed all right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Bills just got trounced. I also have them at seven here. Okay. Allen kind of reverted a little bit. You could see him trying to overcompensate, um, you know, for, for the deficit, especially with that last interception he threw to Malcolm Butler. Um, you know, I still like this team a lot. Their defense, I mean, you mentioned Tredavious White didn't play last week, but their defense even up until this point this season has been, you know, a little, you know, it didn't live up to last year. Last year they had an elite defense in the league, top three for sure, with the 49ers and the Patriots as well. Um, so, you know, I think that their defense getting back to form with Tremaine Edmonds, Tredavious White, and generating some more pass rush is key for this team. I think Josh will be okay. Um, you know, he'll have some games like this. He's not at the level where he's going to perform at an all-pro level every game. But, um, I mean, I'm, I, it's one game for the Bills. They'll be fine. Yeah, and one thing that I haven't seen anybody put together, you know, why doesn't – why don't the Bills go out and get Le'Veon Bell? I don't – That I, is a I think team I did not great. think of. I, that's a team it's, I didn't think of. It's a contending team, and I've been saying this all year. Josh Allen is the best running back on the Bills. Yeah. But, you know, obviously last night's situation when you're losing 42-16, to 16, which scored got me, by the way, everybody. Yeah. Um, they took him out of the game, put Barkley in, smart coaching. You know, McDermott knows what he's doing. But – I like the tandem of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, but they really, like, it's not a positive thing. It's just, like, good enough to get away with, and especially with how good this Bills offensive line is. You know, TJ Yeldon played well yesterday, which was kind of weird. We didn't see a lot of Devin Singletary yesterday. But I think this is one of the teams that if Bell went to, you know, one of the playoff teams, that he could see a three-down roll in and actually succeed rather than, you know, just being that third down back, you know, right. getting older. I mean, every every player that's left Adam Gase has been better. So, you know, yeah. maybe we could see Le'Veon return to form here. But him behind a Bills offensive line, I think he'd be amazing. And I think yeah. that's something they should look into. But, and I think, you know, just I think all fit, teams should. fit with that passing game, too. I mean, Josh Allen's a guy that likes to force the ball downfield at times, you know, and that's where he gets in trouble. I think, you know, Dawson Knox has turned into a nice tight end, but giving him a safety net in the passing game like Le'Veon Bell, who he mm-hmm. would, you know, if you got a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you're almost eager to check it down more. So I think just encouraging yeah. him to, like, use safety nets more, check downs would help his efficiency um, even more. So I think that would be a very good fit in the passing game. My number six team is the team that just beat Buffalo last night, the Tennessee Titans. Um, You know, they looked great last night. I get it. They are 4-0. I get it. But, 
they, they've been very unconvinced. Before last night, they were very unconvincing. You know, weeks one through three, they were 3-0, and but had a total margin of victory of six points against teams that are now a combined 3-11, and the Jaguars, Broncos, and Vikings, I believe. Um, so I like this team. I don't think, you know, again, last night being different, I, I love what I saw. I'll give them credit for that. But it was the first time you really saw them put it all together. Uh, I think they're very well coached. I mean, Vrabel is, you know, he's, he's got that, you know, Patriot way in him a bit, um, you know, adapting to these, to these weird circumstances. Um, so I like the Titans. I'll throw in one quick note here before I pass it off to you. Um, so they held an illegal practice. And no one cares. Yeah. It just bothers me a little bit. I don't know. It just bothers me a little bit. Anyways, who is your number six? Yeah, and the thing going to tw- around Twitter circles today is that, like, after the game, like, Taylor Lewan specifically and a couple other Titans players like, you know, everybody was talking shit about us. You know, like, they're, like, playing the victim card, even though they almost, like, fucked up the entire season for everybody. So that was a little weird. Um a lot of people aren't going to be happy with this ranking, but I have the Baltimore Ravens at six here. You know, I think the defense is exactly what we expected it to be, and that is just spectacular. Um, Patrick Queen is just really – he can do whatever he wants, and that's something we talked about this season where that was probably the best player-to-scheme fit in the entire first round. And, you know, Marlon Humphrey being the top five corner in the league – you know, the cut of Earl Thomas has had no effect on this defense whatsoever, which I think hasn't been talked about at all or enough. Um, but they're just they're just mauling people on defense. And obviously this team has the easiest strength of schedule out of any team in the NFL this season. So we both expect them to just kind of coast to double-digit wins. But, you know, the offense is struggling. This has obviously always been a run-first team. If you look at Lamar's stats this year, I think they're kind of – normal like they were what's expected it doesn't look bad but if you're watching these games you can tell he's struggling as a passer I don't like you know when they got J.K. Dobbins obviously year one with Dobbins I didn't expect him to just be this bell cow 20 carry a game guy but last week Mark Ingram got 11 carries and that was the highest carry total by a Ravens running back this season so I do think the committee works you know but when each when Gus Edwards, Dobbins, and Ingram are each getting seven carries a game, and Lamar's getting like they aren't running the ball enough as a team. Right. Yeah. I, I do I, think you know, it, I do think it's time to unleash J.K. Well, but. see, I, maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe they're trying to you know pass pass the ball more downfield to try to continue to develop Lamar um, as as a pocket guy. But I agree. I think they've gotten away from their their just their bread and butter run game that's simple mm-hmm. boring but effective and no one could stop it last year i totally agree they're still running the ball efficiently but not in as high a quantity as we saw last year when they would just maul mm-hmm. guys, two tight ends fullback just just zone power just whatever you whatever you uh, want in the run game and they would just you know five six yards a pop every single time um so, yeah, I agree they have not looked great, but still early season, a lot of time to figure it out. Number five mm-hmm. team for me, same division, Pittsburgh Steelers coming in here, 4-0. Crazy stat. First time they started 4-0 as a franchise since the 70s, since the Steel Curtain. Um, mm-hmm. Even Big Ben and all those, those great teams. But I think the biggest story here is that, 
you know, we all agreed that this, this Steelers team would come down to how Ben looked um, off a year off at his age, off that surgery. He's looked great, 10 touchdowns, one pick, 110 rating, and throwing the ball uh, or completing passes at a 70% clip. You know, their defense, they have a very good front. You've let up some big plays this year. I expect them to clean that up as the season goes on with Mika Fitzpatrick controlling that secondary. And, you know, I just trust this team in big games. I trust Ben. I just trust that organization to perform well uh, in the spotlight. So they are definitely a top five team to me. And just for the record, from the Steelers on, so these these five teams I have in the top five, this is sort of where I see my Super Bowl bubble Right now, I think from the Steelers up until one are all teams I think uh, can win the Super Bowl are capable of uh, coming out on top at the end of the year. Yeah, and I mean, I, I can kind of see that with my list. Just the way that the NFL is shaking up right now. Like, we talk about it more and more every week, but there's it's very cut and dry who the contenders are and are not, in my opinion. But my number five team here is a team you already had listed, and that was the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, they're coming off a dominant win over the Bills. And I think, you know, they did that weird margin of victory in the first couple of weeks. You know, they had, they barely beat the Jags. That was when Gardner was firing on all cylinders and threw a pick to end the game. And I, the Jags fully should have won that game. Um, I really wish we got to see the Titans and Steelers play last week instead of it two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. But – you know, they're sitting here undefeated and just absolutely beat up on one of the best teams in football in the Buffalo Bills. The thing with the Titans in Vrabel is they execute their scheme to perfection. Again, I think Ryan Tannehill is playing at a top 10 quarterback level this year. You know, obviously it's not on the stat sheet whatsoever, um, but he does exactly what he has to do and excels at it. I don't think Derrick Henry has reached his final form yet. No. You know, he did score twice on the ground last night, but Derek's just going to get – he always has a better second half of the season, yeah. which, you know, should be scaring the NFL shitless right now. Defenders wear down physically, not wear down physically, I think is what it comes down to. Exactly. And, I mean, Josh Allen threw a touchdown to TJ Yeldon last night with 10 minutes left on the clock, and they did not get the ball back until there was a minute and a half left, and they were down 20 points. You know, there was, there was a special teams fumble in there, but – if this team gets a lead, a 10-point lead, the game's over. It's trouble. And I think we saw it happen last year in the playoffs against Baltimore. And I do think that's why I have them above Baltimore here is because both sides of the ball look great right now. But we've seen this formula work perfectly against a team like the Ravens last year. Right, yeah. Um, speaking of the Ravens, I have them at number four. You know, I, I, they're definitely still in my Super Bowl bubble right now. They could definitely win it all. Um, I, I couldn't put them quite as low as six just because um, – anyways, yeah, wait. You were saying something? Yeah. Breaking news here on the pod. Nick Saban has just tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, my God. So that is something to monitor. Wow. Um, breaking yeah, news here on the Everyday Scout. You'll get it a day later. But this is breaking at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's something to monitor there in the college football world this week. Um, wow. And, and it was ripping through Florida, too. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to hammering the Florida LSU over. That yeah, not gonna happen. Wait, so oh, Alabama Georgia, that's done too. It must be. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, let's All right, continue. That's breaking news, but bad news. Um, brought to you mm-hmm. by Connor. 
Anyways, Ravens at four for me. Uh, basically, it comes down to this. They still have a top two roster in the league. Them and the Chiefs, I believe, have the best two rosters, top to bottom. They're young. They're athletic. And here's the thing. You mentioned they're not playing well, and I totally agree. But here's the thing. If you're not – and I know it's against b- bad teams. But if you're not playing well, and you're still blowing people out every week, I mean yeah. – Every they I mean, they they're they're win they're four and one. Their wins have been by thirty two, twenty four, seventeen, and fourteen. Obviously, they got manhandled by the Chiefs. But look, if you're if you're not playing good, if the eye test is not going well, and you're still winning games by that much, I think your ceiling is just so high. Again, it's early. Basically, I still don't trust them in the big spot, especially after that Kansas City Monday night game. So, I mean, I I really think with this team. You mentioned they have, they have a pretty easy schedule this year. I don't think anyone will really give them that much respect until they get an opportunity to prove it in January. So they're just going to have to keep their head down and grind until the postseason. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. My number four team here, and a lot of people might think this isn't high enough, but I have the Seattle Seahawks here at four. Um, you know – Russ is Russ is winning the MVP. I don't really think. Maybe there's a comp. I don't. Oh, I don't know if there's a conversation to be had we'll, there. We'll, there I'll touch on that. In a there minute. is, there is. But as of right now, he still has a six touchdown lead uh, in terms of passing. And you know, it's the Seahawks. You know, they always kind of have these gross games, or we're used to them having these gross games where they just end up winning by three every week. You know, I had to slip my chargers in here. Uh, since the start of the 2019 season, the Seahawks are 14-2 and two in one-score games. That is crazy. You know, com- That's compared crazy. to my chargers, who are 3-13. and 13. Um, But, you know, the Seahawks tends to – that number for them never seems to return to the norm right. because that's who Russell Wilson is. Um, and there was that other stat we talked about a few weeks ago about how if they have a lead at halftime, they're like 60-0 with Russ. Um you're you're never out of a game with Russell Wilson, no matter what no. the score is. No. And we've seen that happen for the last eight or nine years, however long he's been in the league. The defense, as we expected, has just been absolutely terrible. You know, something I wrote here is that this is the 2018 Chiefs team where the defense was so bad that Mahomes had to throw 50 touchdowns and won the MVP. And – you know, I think that's exactly what's happening here with Seattle. Yeah. Um, Jamal hasn't been playing. I do think that's going to help when he comes back. But, you know, it's exactly what we were talking about before the season. They just – they don't have a dominant pass rusher or just a good pass rush as a team. You know, I, I do think that's going to show up in the playoffs and kind of kill this team because, as we've seen before, the formula to winning, you, you need a dominant four-man pass rush or at least be able to blitz and get to the passer in some way. And – Jamal Adams is the best pass rusher on that team, whether you take that as a good thing or not. He's not playing right now, but you, you're always in – you always have an opportunity to win the game when Russell Wilson's your quarterback. No, absolutely. Um, and so my third team is the Seahawks, so that, that transitions pretty nicely there. But I think you touched on it. You know, Russ pulls out seemingly every game, but this team, because of their defense, um, they just – they can't dominate people. Um, it just seems they can never pull away. 
Um, their last, their five and zero, their last four wins have all been one possession. Uh, so just, so just keep they just keep racking up those one possession wins, fourteen and two, as you touched on. Um, you know, I just I get that they're five and zero and they're they're at the top of the league standings, but I just need to see some dominant factor there. I need to see them pull away and really shut teams down. You know, in the first three quarters of the game. Because, you know, I don't care how good Russell Wilson is. You play enough of those one-possession games, especially against good teams in the playoffs. You're not going to win all of them. That's just not how it works, um, especially mm. when you have a quarterback across from what Russell Wilson who is just as good as him. Um, so I'll keep him at three. Um, Jamal Adams will help, as you said, but need to see some more dominance from them. My number three team here is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're sitting here at 4-0. and You know, like you said, uh, this team kind of just hinged on Big Ben's level of play this season. And, you know, he's looked great. The The receiver room, you know, it's they, the Steeler drafts a receiver. The receiver is good. You know, that's just how the formula works. We saw that with Chase Claypool this week. But, you know, the Steelers have always been a defensive team, no matter what you want to think. Even, you know, you could argue when the Triple Bs were on the field with Brown, Bell, and Ben, that's an offensive-minded team. But as of late, you know, with T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, this, this has been the team. It is the defense. And something my dad, who's a Steelers fan, has talked about, you know, the last couple of weeks is that he hasn't heard Minka Fitzpatrick's name called once this season. This team is just not producing turnovers right now. Um, I do think they currently lead the NFL in sacks, you know, with Cam Hayward and T.J. Watt, who got a little banged up last week, but I think he's perfectly fine to play. Bud Dupree's also but, off the edge. Yeah, Bud in a contract year. He's he's coming into his own. This team obviously still needs to pay TJ Watt, but like I, if I'm the Steelers, I'm paying Bud Dupree over Juju. Um, Just draft another third round receiver who's going to be as good as Juju because you know it'll work. Especially with Cool's emergence recently. When a team has the number one defense in the league and the defense isn't playing well, when they click, it's going to be scary. And the I mean, Steelers, you know, the number one defense in the league, but I do agree with you that, like, projecting this team through the next couple months, like, this defense will clean it up. And when they do, they are going to be an absolute force. Exactly. You know, I think, obviously, this week's a big test, you know. Usually playing Cleveland, it's always a gross game. Just that's how the AFC North and most divisional matchups work. But, you know, it, the Browns are 4-1. and one. And if, this, if the Browns can run all over the Steelers, then this, this is a problem. Yeah, but I hopefully this is the week they put it together because the Steelers have a rough couple of weeks coming up. I believe they played Baltimore, Cleveland's, you know, they're supposed to play the Cowboys, but I, I do think Andy Dalton's going to be all right. Um, so we'll see. But when this, this defense clicks, it's, it's going to show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my number two team, the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, it seemed like Russ was, you know, he was obviously the September MVP. But I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers is, in my mind, pretty much neck and neck with Russell Wilson at this point. Because, you know, I know, I know every, every quarterback, every great quarterback makes their receivers better. Russell Wilson has obviously made Tyler Lockett a good player. He's making DK Metcalf a very good player. But when you look at what Aaron Rodgers has done, I mean, just last week, without Devontae Adams, without Alan Lazard, 330 yards to the air, four touchdowns, no picks. He has a 128 rating on the year and a 93 QBR, for those of you that don't trust the simple quarterback rating. Um, 
So the or the passer rating, I should say. Um, but I mean, he's totally back. He's enjoying himself out there. I know we've been over this before. You know, the defense isn't great, but it's certainly better than Seattle's, um, which allows them to you know sometimes pull away from teams. So I mean, when are when are Adams and Lazard coming back? Do we know? Alan Lazard is out indefinitely. Okay, so that's bad news. But, but Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams fully practiced today and is expected okay. back okay. against well, I mean, this week. That'll be big. Um, I just think Aaron Rodgers is so good right now that I – and, again, I trust him in those big games, especially when he's on the same page as his coach. So uh, I'll take them over any team other than my number one team. So my number two team here is Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, the Chiefs do have the best football player on the planet right now. But there are some notable problems that you can see occurring in this games, in these games. Excuse me. Um, you know, something I pointed out when this team played the Chargers, you know, a couple of weeks ago, was that like, oh my God, like Joey Bosa is owning Mitchell Schwartz on the edge, who I don't believe allowed a sack all of last season. Mitchell Schwartz, you know, the best passing tackle in football, and he looks like shit this year. I mean, he's just getting absolutely destroyed by pretty much everybody every week. And Mahomes, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes is never going to look uncomfortable. But if he did, I think it would be what it is right now. Yep. You know, they lost they lost their guard, uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, before the season. Uh, he opted out. One of the few players to opt out from that Super Bowl team or just the league in general. And so they got Kalechi Ostemley, former all-pro pro bowler guard, who is now out for the season. And Mitchell Schwartz doesn't look good at all. You know, hopefully Mahomes doesn't get hurt again. But, you know, he got hurt last year. And it worked out pretty well. But I do think the O-line is the problem, uh, especially with, you know, the best player on that O-line definitely being over the hump. And the defense is still a problem. I, like Tyran and Chris Jones are still great players, but they just gave up 500 yards to the Raiders. And Derek Carr. Derek Carr. For the record, really Derek Carr has been hot this year. He has been hot this year. Yeah, it's been a good year for Derek Carr. But the Chiefs lost at home and yeah. gave up 500 yards yeah. to the Raiders, which is a really big fucking problem. And they barely beat Mike Chargers in overtime. And, you know, and they that, did not look good against the Patriots either. And that's because they got to Mahomes. You know, that, yep. that, that's why, you know, talking earlier about how I don't see some of these teams like the Seahawks performing well in the playoffs is because they're not going to be able to get to the quarterback. If the Seahawks meet the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and oh, Mahomes is be just, a and Mahomes is reading the book back there and has all the fucking time in the world to do whatever he wants, the game is over. Yeah. But we've seen teams like this. If you get to him, it's going to be a problem. And the, the Niners dominated in the Super Bowl last year. You know, it's just when is Pat going to get that one play? And right. that's ultimately what decided and then the that game. Um, exactly. And I think, you know, it's something to watch again this season, especially just with the offensive line play. The defense will probably pick it up, I hope. But no, they, yeah, I, I think the defense will. I think that said more about the Raiders last week than the Chiefs uh, yes, in terms yes, of totally the Raiders agree. having 500 yards. Totally but, agree. you know, I, I do think the offensive line is something to watch. Um, yeah, so the Chiefs are my number one team. And, again, you know, they haven't looked great especially in recent weeks. But I think this ranking is more about no one else has been convincing enough. I mean, there have been teams that look great. The Packers, 
you know, the Steelers, you know, all these teams we mentioned, you know, but, you know, to, to put them over the defending champions who pretty much returned their whole starting lineup intact right now, um, I just couldn't do it. No one else had just shown me that same level of dominance. I would still take on a neutral field the Kansas City Chiefs to win one game over any team in the NFL right now. And that's basically what it came down to for me. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Look, they were they were on course with their schedule to potentially break the New England Patriots record of consecutive wins of 23 this year. They would would have had to start 13 and out. But when you looked at their schedule, it was kind of getting possible. You know, everyone had a feeling he'd probably slip up somewhere. It's the NFL. Their defense had a terrible week. And you mentioned, you know, the Raiders were getting to Mahomes. People are getting to Mahomes. They still put up 32 points. So, I again, I think every team in the NFL has a flaw right now, which is good. It makes for great parity. But I would still take the Chiefs over any of them, mostly because of Patrick Mahomes and their now championship pedigree. I'm, I'm going to take your reasoning and use it on my number one team right now. That's the Green Bay Packers. This is something that would have hurt me to say a month ago. But the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now is something we didn't see last year. Um, this it's is something the first we haven't seen since 2016. Yeah. It's been a while. And you know, it's because so they lit a fire underneath him when they picked Jordan Love. It's that simple. Um, you know, they're the first team in NFL history to score at least 150 points in the first four games without a turnover. And that, that's without no Devontae Adams. Yeah, that's crazy. I know Rodgers, you know, he's, he just doesn't throw picks. He's the best at not throwing picks in NFL history. Easily. But the, Easily. they're just firing on all cylinders. I mean, did you know who Robert Tanyan was before the season started? No. Nope. nope. <laughs> um, but I'd argue this is the only team that hasn't shown a flaw this season. You know, obviously they don't have a blemish with a loss on that record like the Chiefs just did. But I – They've, I mean, they I, haven't dominated on the scoreboard against all in all their wins, but they've dominated on the field when you watch these games. Right. No, I think, I'm, you know, yeah, a little no. preview. My get my game to watch this week. I'm going to talk about in a couple minutes is going to be the Bucks or the Packers at the Bucks. Excuse me. Um, and I think if if they come out and dominate the Buccaneers, who we've seen just be very sluggish this season, um, you know, no preseason, a lot of new parts. That makes sense. If they dominate the Bucks. They're going to end up going in to San Francisco week nine at 7-0, and in my opinion. And if you're 7-0, and you're a Super Bowl favorite. There's not really a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, and if they, if they beat the Niners, like, after the Niners in week nine, you know, barring, barring the Tampa Bay game this week, you know, play the Jags. That'll put 7-0, no, 9-0 after they beat the Jags. They'll be 9-0 and going into Indianapolis, who I don't think looks – that I mean, I think Indy's defense is top three in the league this year, but it's just this. I don't think the Packers are going to lose more than four games this year. No, no, they they're going to they're going to go twelve and four, thirteen and three. They haven't shown a flaw in the field. I would say you're right in that, but th- their personnel is still not elite, in my opinion. The Chiefs have way mm-hmm. better personnel than them. The Baltimore Ravens have way better personnel than them. So I'm not saying that doesn't mean you can't be a better team. I'm saying at some point that could definitely come back to haunt them. Rodgers, I mean, they're playing great. Rodgers is also playing perfect right now. Like, he is playing perfectly. They do not have the talent around him, I think, especially with these injuries right now, to pick him up when he doesn't have his best game. Sure, that's true for Russell Wilson, too. But, I mean, I view them in a very similar light as Seattle. I just think their defense is a little better. Um, I think it's way better. 
So I really yeah, do. Way better because the Seahawks are terrible. So I see them as a similar team, though. There's just not a whole – they have an elite quarterback, not a whole lot of elite position players other than Devontae Adams, of course, and, you know, defensive, defensive players around uh, their start. Aaron Jones looks great, and I don't – neither of us thought he was good, but he, he looks really fucking good. No, he's good. He's good. I mean, they have a good back, but just, you know, Rodgers – The stat padding is still evident. He doesn't have, you know, the Mahomes supporting cast, the Dak supporting cast. So, um, mm-hmm. but I agree. I mean, I, they're playing virtually perfect football right now. You mentioned the no turnovers. Um, but anyways, that, those were our power rings. I'm just going to mention a couple teams I didn't ha- put in. I thought the Raiders mm-hmm. were pretty close. The Rams were definitely really close for me and the Browns as well. Even if they lose close to Pittsburgh, if they compete, that'll show me a lot about the Browns. Yeah. Um, you know, the Rams – do look good. They're four and one, but you know, all four of those teams are against all four of those wins, excuse me, are in the NFC East, which is by far and away the worst division in football right now. Um, the bears are four and one, but you know, I'm just going to say what everybody else is saying, cause it's true. The bears are gross. Uh, they're, if the bears, bears are make not- it in the playoffs, they're not going to, they're not going to do anything in my opinion. The saints offense flat out looks like shit, which is really hard to do while scoring 30 points a game it's one of the weirdest things i've ever seen in recent in recent history that a team looks so bad on offense and still puts up 30 points um you know michael thomas has not played this year um but i don't think michael thomas coming back is gonna make drew Brees have a stronger arm (laughs) um i think the offense might move a little better not have to give alvin kamara the ball every single play uh, so it'll open up things there, but Breeze, I mean, that game, when when you're taking Drew Breeze out on every important play in the second half, that that rings the alarm. I mean, every single third down in the fourth quarter, Drew Breeze was taken off the field for Taysom Hill. You know, maybe maybe they actually realize what they paid him <laughs> this offseason. Right. Yeah. I mean, but there's I, also some a variable there than their weird inexplicable affection for Taysom Hill with his $21 million per year contract. Um, but I agree. I mean, they clearly don't trust Breeze as much as they once did. Um, but, I mean, who knows? Michael Thomas is an elite player, so that could definitely, you know, give that offensive boost in efficiency. Yeah, and then a team you liked before the season, I did not like. The Indianapolis Colts, their defense is playing out of their minds right now, and that's even with some injuries across the board. Mm-hmm. No, I thought um, Philip Rivers I, had more left in the tank than he does. I should have and I told taken you, your, your charge. He that. does not. Yeah. Phil is holding this team back. Yeah. Hey, I know they got asked this week, you know, is, is there any thought of, you know, mixing up the quarterback situation? They said, no, Phil's our guy. And I've seen this happen uh, many times where Phil holds the team back with an elite defense. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. They will not unleash Jonathan Taylor and it pisses me the fuck off yeah hopefully they do that later in the year um you know a couple of these wins they have when they're up double digits there's no reason to put your franchise running back just bury him into the ground um yeah and then the pats like you said earlier you know any team with bill belichick at the helm and cam newton you know has a chance but i i do agree i just don't think their ceiling is very high this season compared to how everybody else is playing yeah not at all um Anyways, so those were our power rankings. Hope you guys enjoyed those. Um, share there. You disagree with us on a bunch of things, so definitely comment. 
at us on social media and we will engage in a nice civil discussion with you about the NFL or a debate. Now, as every week, probably the best segment of these episodes at this point. I would agree. The gambling guys are back to give you week six NFL locks. Tucker and Zico um, are going to make you some money over the course of this season. They may not be perfect, but they are very good. And here they are, the gambling guys. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. Gambling's back. What? What? Kill your bookie. Bang, bang. Guess who's back? Guess Gambling's who's back. back. Gambling's back. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got some picks. We got some money makers. Might as well call me. I couldn't think of the joke in time. But we I'm both still hit go- last week. It doesn't matter. I hit whatever my first pick was. I don't remember what it was, but I know it hit. Because Cowboys, doesn't matter what the line is, take their team over. It ended up being 30. That 30 was absolutely crushed when they scored 37 points in the game. Yes, yeah, sir. 37. And last week, my season total was brought up to 3-2 and two by help of Steelers minus 7.5. Thank you, Mr. Chase Claypool, the steal of the draft. He is the man. This week, we got some more locks for you. I am going to go with Lions minus three and a half at Jacksonville. If Jacksonville is going to lose by two scores to the Texans, you best believe they're going to lose by two scores to Mr. Matthew Stafford. Lock, lock, lock it in. Yeah, I've been looking at Lions a little bit. Definitely an interesting week gambling, but for sure... I am a huge fan of the Packers minus one. Aaron Rodgers is having fun playing football again. It's a Rodgers we haven't seen. It's a confidence from LaFleur we haven't seen. And it's an old and average at best Buccaneers team playing against a hot and steamy Packers team. I also am a huge fan of the Bears and Washington money line. Both are underdogs this week. Giants, Daniel Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in over a month. And uh, yeah, definitely hammer the Rams as well. It's a lot of locks this week. Maybe throw them in LA. I don't know. And also, most importantly, don't fall into John Bunn's propaganda. The Chargers are still not that good of a football team. They have one win for a reason. Herbert may be the future, but he's not the future of the NFL. Go Browns. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. And most importantly, as always, kill your bookmaker. Oh, kill your bookmaker. That was cool. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Tucker and Zico. Uh, love the gambling guys love to hear from them every week i need to hear what they have to say so i can make some money myself um now as we do we end every episode uh we each give a game of the week and a rookie to watch one offense one defense this week week six uh we touched on this matchup a little bit earlier during our power rankings but my game of the week is the cleveland browns visiting the pittsburgh steelers in an afc north matchup steelers 4-0 browns 4-1 Um, This is a big matchup, especially with the Ravens still having a loss. So the winner of this game will be leading the division, I think, Um, you know, and potentially putting Baltimore in third. I'm not quite sure how that'll work out. But, you know, a big game nonetheless. I, You know, the Browns have looked great. I still want to see a little more from them. A win like this or even a a, a down-to-the-wire game against a Pittsburgh team who's rolling and experienced with a veteran quarterback would say a lot about them. So I'm just very curious to see what happens here, if the same old Browns kind of expose themselves here in Pittsburgh, or if, 
it's apparent they've really turned the corner as an organization and, you know, their culture as a team where they are now ready to compete um, with the mainstays of the league uh, week in and week out. Yeah. And I just, I just think it's terrible timing and a bad matchup for the Browns because I think big Ben is going to throw all over their injured and often exposed secondary. And you can't run the ball against Steelers. It's just a thing. Maybe, maybe this is the team to do it because that's how they win games, but it is, it is not a great matchup on either side of the ball there for Cleveland. But my game of the week, I have the Green Bay Packers traveling to Tampa Bay and facing the Buccaneers. You know, Packers coming in 4-0, Bucks 3-2. You know, the Buccaneers, a lot of moving parts this offseason, most notably Tom Brady. Um, and no, no preseason, you know, Tom was interviewed, and he was like – Tom was interviewed after week four. and was like, guys, like, think about it. This is like the end of the preseason for us. It's going to take us a little while to get used to it. And I think that's very true. And the fact, you know, that that receiving core just keeps getting decimated week after week. Mike Evans is the goal line running back for this team, which I think is very interesting. Um, he, he's he's putting up Jordan Howard numbers where he's, he's catching two balls for two yards for two touchdowns every week. Which is, Mike Evans' stat line, even last year with Jameis, he had games where, you know, he had a 200-yard game and he had one catch for a touchdown. It's just – his stat lines over his career have been an anomaly. But, you know, he'll get to 1,000 for six straight year in a row. Yeah. But, you know, this game, I expect it to be high scoring. You know, Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin have missed time, and they are both expected to be back this game. They're both practicing today, which hasn't happened in a few weeks. Um, my expectation and my hope are that the Packers kind of just come out and destroy Tampa Bay by, by two scores at least you know, because I think that'll firmly cement them as the number one team in the league and they'll kind of just coast from here on out. But maybe this is the week with Godwin back. You know, hopefully Mike Evans is healthy, Scotty Miller. They've all been banged up. Hopefully this is the week they can put it together. But I think that's definitely a good game to watch. The Packers are favored right now. Uh, if you're interested in looking into that game, you it's know, like the over three and a half, 54. something like that. I think it's down to two now. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, the over-under sitting at 54. I expected to take the over don't take my word for it but I think that's gonna be a really exciting game nonetheless and you know rookies around the league this week you know a couple a couple big performances by rookies this week Patrick Queen my defensive rookie of the year pick came out and scored on a strip sack against his former LSU teammate Joe Burrow this week you know I think that was something funny to watch Burrow had his as you texted me during the game you know this was this is Burrow's welcome to the league game um <laughs> And I think that was very noticeable when they lost. Didn't yep. score a single point. Um, another it. thing we texted about, Isaiah Simmons doesn't play. Yeah, that, I mean, that's on the coaching staff to me. I have a hard time believing he's not talented or good enough at football to not play as a rookie, especially I just, on a team like the Cardinals. So, I mean, shame on uh, those position coaches, those defensive coordinators, because there's no excuse for that. I mean, I get it's only the first few weeks of – his rookie year but I mean come on figure it out yeah I really I just I just don't know I think he only played like 13 snaps last week no yeah he's just some low snap downs um for sure I guess there's just some indecision of how to best utilize him so they're not utilizing him at all which is not very logical um Mm -hmm. but regardless also out west your guy Justin Herbert just looks phenomenal. Um, You know, I think the only comp for him is Josh Allen. 
but he is he is light in terms of his play style and you know his his mm-hmm. skill set. But I mean, it is obviously light years ahead of where Josh Allen was as a rookie. I think that's clear and obvious to everyone. He's shown you know some precision passing that I don't think we saw really from him in college, and we certainly have not mm-hmm. seen consistently from Josh Allen until this year. So, I mean, he, he – the, mis- the misuse at Oregon is very noticeable. And yeah. I know he had he had three different offensive coordinators at Oregon, ran three different systems. You know, 21% of his passes his senior year were double screens. And, you know, now what I believe – Justin Herbert has a top five deep ball in the NFL right oh, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The way he's zipping the ball. I, I personally think he's in the driver's seat for rookie of the year. You know, he is in a better situation than Joe Burrow, despite having a worse offensive line. But the skill pieces definitely make up for it. Um, You know, Herbert is leading the league in yards under pressure and didn't even play week one. And first rookie to ever throw for four touchdowns on Monday night. He's played Breeze, Brady, and Mahomes and has arguably outplayed all three of them in those games. You know, but the Chargers are going to charge her. Um, and I am kind of fed up with Anthony Lynn, but I think the level of Herbert's play is going to keep his job the rest of the season. Yeah. But you know, the other, the other big rookie performance this week, Chase Claypool, which, you know, gambling guy, Tucker Froelich, this was his guy going into the draft. Yep. Shout you know, out. He said, he, said he was going to be a steal with the draft. in this one. Give his credit where it's due. And you know, every it's it's like a 90% hit rate on Steelers receivers, just kind of how it works. But, you know, Deontay Johnson getting knocked out of the game on a punt return for the second week in a row um, is also something not being talked about, but it's something they should watch out for. But, you know, Chase Claypool comes out here and scores four touchdowns in a game, including getting involved in the rushing game. Um, yeah. One of his – he caught a two-yard screen pass for a touchdown which they lined up in quads bunch on the goal line, which I thought was the funniest thing ever. And, you know, when you're throwing a screen pass to a six-foot-four receiver, this guy can just do everything. He's the next great Steelers receiver. You know, I think Deontay's also amazing. I, I do think the writing's on the wall for Juju there in Pittsburgh. I don't expect this every week, you know, just because with so many options there. With the Steelers, it's kind of going to be a revolving door. But, you know, his, you know his just, just an outstanding Deont- week. You mentioned Deontay Johnson. His size is a nice compliment. A uh, little one-punch mm-hmm. there probably for the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers, mm-hmm. whoever their next quarterback is after Ben. Um, mm-hmm. Now, our Rookies of the Week, who is your guy? So my Rookie of the Week is somebody I've been in love with all off season, and I believe his team loves him as well. And that is Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team, you know, he only got 77 touches in college, but, you know, when the ball was in his hands, it was apparent that he was something special. He only has one game this year with over 100 scrimmage yards. He just hasn't – he hasn't even hit 75 rushing yards in a game this season. But, you know, Washington's offensive line is just god-awful. We saw that when, you know, Aaron Donald had a field day against Alex Smith who returns to play this week, something we forgot to talk about. But, you know, he, he didn't look good. Didn't expect him to look good after not playing for two years, but he got sacked, I think, eight times, and he didn't get hurt. So that's a really good thing for Alex Smith. This team, I believe, came out and said Kyle Allen will start against the Giants this week, which is a very good thing for Antonio Gibson, and that's why I love this matchup. Kyle Allen was part of the reason why Christian McCaffrey had an otherworldly season last year because 
Kyle Allen is check down Charlie. Um, when Smith checked into the game, Gibson just wasn't getting the ball. I don't know. They just couldn't really do anything on offense. But with Kyle Allen starting, I, Gibson's going to catch 10 balls this week. You know, he, ha- he, hasn't, he had an 82-yard receiving game earlier this year against Baltimore. Um, I just expect him to go over 100 total scrimmage yards again. Probably not rushing. Maybe if the game script is correct, because I do think Washington can come out and just dominate this game with that defensive line. But if, if Kyle Allen plays the entire game, I think Gibbs is going to get over 100 total yards from scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely an explosive player there. Uh, I'm going to go with Derek Brown. He played over 70% of his team's defensive snaps, uh, that team being the Carolina Panthers, of course, in the first uh, two weeks. The past three weeks since he's been in the 50s, usually been a little down. He has three tackles for loss on the season. I just mentioned that because he was supposed to be a shoe-in starter this year. And I believe Kwan Short was just announced that He's out for the year uh, for the mm-hmm. interior front. So should just give Derek Brown some more opportunities. Pound for pound, probably the second best football player in last year's class behind Chase Young. Maybe throw a Kuda in there too. Um, maybe Burrow. But, you know, I just think he's going to be a dominant force for a long time. And I just want to see his usage up because, I mean, he's just a, a beast. Dominated the SEC. He'll dominate the NFL. Um so that is all we got for you guys today, episode 17 of the Everyday Scout. Um, doesn't look to be a great slate of games for this, this upcoming week, but we do have a doubleheader on Monday night, which is always fun. And, you know, I mean, Bill's Chiefs is going to be a great game. That's a game we didn't mention as one of our games of the week. Um, so, you know, it should be a good solid week. Uh, find out some things about a few teams, Packers, Browns, Uh, Bills and Chiefs being some of them, but as always, follow us uh, at The Everyday Scout on Twitter and Instagram, and message us if you have topics you'd like us to touch on. But uh, for now, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you guys.